0: was bitter to the core there was nothing to live for until love came my name is Harold J Perkins and at the age of 17 i was selling drugs and on my way to an early grave while sitting in my house with about 10 guys god gave me an out of body experience and i was lifted above the room i could see everything moving in slow motion after that i got up and put those guys out and i cried out to jesus christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose, then I ran into religion, and it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready, we're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. In this episode, I'm going to give you a view of the kingdom of God that is soon to come and manifest on earth in this day, a conquering kingdom that will conquer all the current kingdoms of the world and usher in the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not returning for a weak and powerless church. He's returning for a bride without spot or wrinkle. We, the body of Christ, are his bride. And he's coming back for a body that has risen to walk in the victory that he obtained for us over 2000 years ago. The book of Daniel talks about this conquering kingdom that will rise up. Many people think that the Bible is just a book of religion written by men. If that's true, tell me how thousands of years ago the Bible could tell about the dominant kingdoms that will come on the earth thousands of years before they came. And now history proves how accurate the Bible was. In the book of Daniel, Daniel interprets a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had that God had given him when he went to bed desiring to know the future. The king saw in the dream an image that represented four kingdoms to come that would rule the world. Listen to Daniel chapter 2 verses 32 and 33. This image head of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Now, the gold head was the Babylonian Empire. The upper body of silver was the Medo-Persian Empire. The thighs of brass was the Grecian Empire and the fourth kingdom with feet of iron and clay is known to be the Roman Empire. They all came in order, in the same order that the Bible foretold. Now, verses 34 and 35 is where God said, in the days of these kingdoms, he would set up a kingdom that will become a great mountain and fill the earth and take dominion on earth. Listen to verses 34, 35, and then I'm going to also read verse 44. Daniel is telling the king what he saw. He says, You saw until a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron and the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone, that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole whole earth. Now I'm going to jump to verse 44. And in the days of these kingdoms shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Now, Keep in mind that Jesus came during the time of Rome's reign. Rome Rome was in charge at that time, and it was the fourth kingdom in the dream. And notice that the scripture says, in the days of these kingdoms, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. Well, when Jesus came and Jesus died, the kingdom was set up at that time. The kingdom began right there. Some people think that this will happen after Jesus' return. Not so, okay? Because what this said here is a picture of the people of God described in Joel chapter two, and that will come into manifestation before the return of Jesus Christ. Now, it also describes the day that we're in right now. Let's go to Joel chapter two, and let's read it. I'm at verse number one. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in the holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes, and it is nine at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains. I'm going to stop for a minute. Are we not in a day of darkness and gross darkness? Look at what has transpired over the world in just the last few years. Okay, I'm going to pick up again at verse two. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people shall arise is what it's saying here. A great people and a strong. There has not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. Verse three, a fire devours before them and behind them a flame burns. The land is as the garden of Eden before them and and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses and as horsemen, so shall they run. Now I'm going to stop there for a moment. Notice that it says that the appearance of them is as the appearance of horses. These people are going to come forth and it's just all of a sudden you're going to see them come forth. That's what the Bible is saying. And now it does not, does that not sound like the description that Daniel was talking about, that the God of heaven was set up a kingdom. Now we're not seeing the church in this light right now, but it shall be, it shall be. I'm going to continue at Joel uh, chapter two. I'm going to drop down to verse 10 and 11. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars shall withdraw their shining, and the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For he is strong that executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, and who shall abide it? Now, why should this be hard for us to believe when we understand what the Old Testament and the things of the Old Testament? If you believe in the God of the Bible in light of what we have read and heard about in the Old Testament, and now we're under the New Testament with Jesus Christ, why would we be surprised that God is going to show up in this kind of power? He's already shown it on the earth before. Surely his finale is going to be greater than what we have seen so far. Okay. Now, for this army of God to come forth, they have to know where their victory lies. It lies in the knowledge of the truth. Let's look at uh, Revelations chapter 12. I'm going to read verses, um, I'm going to start at verse 7. I'm going to read from 7 through uh, verse 11 or 12. Okay, here's what it says. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now, keep in mind, this has already happened. OK, he's already been cast out. Verse 10, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation. Now, here's how we know it's happened. Listen to this verse. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. This kingdom was set up right during the Roman Empire when Jesus came and Jesus died. That's what this is talking about right here, because that's when salvation was given to the people of God. Listen to verse 10 again. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength, And the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Notice his past tense says that he accused them. Can't do it anymore, not in heaven. He's still trying to accuse. It's you and I that he's trying to accuse. Verse 11 And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. There is our victory right there. Verse 12 says, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. Now you see a lot going on in the world today. And the reason it's going on in the world today, because there's some things happening that the devil knows that his time is short. And part of that is God's people waking up to their righteous place, okay? But it says, but here's here's where you need to understand where you are, whether you should be in fear or whether you should be in, 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 in expectation. Notice verse 12 says, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Why? Because the power that Satan has already been overcome. And if we'll dwell in heaven, he's not talking about us going in heaven, but if we'll dwell with a heavenly mindset, then we can have victory over him, okay? And we can begin to do good on the earth and allow God to be seen and lives to be transformed. Well, first of all, how can we do that? How is that gonna happen? Notice it said here that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death in verse 11. There are three things that the enemy has blinded the people of God's mind to see clearly, And this is the reason why the church hasn't risen to be what it's supposed to be. There are three things said here. One is the blood of the lamb and understanding what it really did. And number two, it says the word of our testimony, the word of the testimony. Well, knowing what that is. And then number three, we have to understand what does it mean now to to not love our lives unto death? I'm going to cover all three of these one at a time. First, let's deal with the blood of the Lamb. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission of sins. So we see here that the blood is needed for sin to be be remission of sin. I'm reading now Romans 3 verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a proposition through faith in his blood, talking about Jesus, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. You see, when Jesus offered up his blood, he paid the price for our sin, and he took on our sin that we could now take on his righteousness. So God does not see you as a sinner anymore. He does not see you and your spirit as sin. He has cleansed you and washed you and now made you righteous, just like himself. Okay, now listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. We're talking about what the blood did. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. You see, we read the first verse I read there. And he says that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So this is why Christ took on flesh and blood. I'll read it again. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, And here, as we see here in verse 14, it says that Jesus destroyed the devil. How did he destroy him? Because he destroyed sin. And because he destroyed sin by shedding his blood for us, we now have authority over Satan. But if Satan can get you condemned by thinking you still have a sin problem, your authority over him will not work. Condemnation will nullify your faith. And that's what's been happening. The enemy has bringing, been bringing condemnation in regards to sin that Jesus has already taken care of. I'm going to continue at, verse, at Hebrews 10, 12 through 14. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, his blood, right? Sat down on the right hand of God from from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Notice by one offering of his blood, it says here that he has perfected us forever. Okay, now let's understand what the enemy's been doing. Verse John chapter three, verse 21 says this, beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. You see, what Satan has been doing is bringing condemnation so that you don't have any confidence with God answering your prayer because condemnation is not going to allow you to have confidence in God. And so he's having you condemned over something that's already been paid for. The price of sin has already been taken care of. Jesus already did it with his blood. Now, listen to 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 11, 23 to 25. This is the Passover uh, where Jesus, before he went to the cross, it says here, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This doing remembrance of me. Now, listen to verse 25. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus said his blood was that of for the New Testament. See, the words, what, what Jesus has actually done is his blood now, has given us the authority over our enemy and access to God so we can go into God's presence and get the help we need. Okay. Never should we come into our father's presence with condemnation because Jesus has already made us clean. And if we understand that and we understand, see, all that God has available for us is received by faith. But if the enemy can get you into condemnation and, and thinking about, you know, your f- shortcomings and get you focused on yourself and not on Christ, that's where he can defeat you at. But if you understand what he has already done, then you now can put him under your feet, which is why Jesus sat down. OK, so the New Testament. The Now, let's deal with also the next thing that I said I was going to get into was the word of our testimony. Well, the word of our testimony i'm not going to have time to go into it on this episode so let me emphasize again i'll deal i'll deal with the the word of our testimony and i'll deal with not loving our lives unto death on the next episode god has done a marvelous thing and there is a, an army of people that he's trying to get to wake up to who they really are and to understand that the blood of jesus christ has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness. You see, what we're supposed to do is appoint our enemy to what Jesus has done on our behalf. The enemy, on the other hand, his job is to get us focused on what we're doing or not doing. And if he can get us focused on what we're doing and not doing, then our eyes are not on what Jesus has done for us. See, our victory is not in what we do or don't do. Our victory is in what Jesus has done for us already and us believing what he has done. So when the enemy comes at us and tries to tell us this and that and so forth, we point him to the blood. We point him to Jesus Christ. We, we point him to the victory that Jesus has won for us. The same thing applies to our Father. Our Father God said, Father, we are, are entitled to what Jesus has done for us, we're entitled to healing. We're, we're entitled to prosperity. We're enti- we're entitled to joy and peace because these are all the things and more that Jesus already obtained for us. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans, and God will begin to show you his purpose for your life, and he'll begin to show himself unto you. Okay, we'll see you on the next episode. That's it.